You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here for the Fightful.com podcast for July 20th, 2016, brought to you by GiraffeBeast.com and on it. Go to our podcast page, follow that link, check out all the great supplements from on it. I am joined by Showdown Joe, who I can confirm has never been flagged for a USADA violation. Unless they start testing for coffee, I would fail miserably. Uh, there's coffee in my system that would probably never get out of my system for what is it, 21 days? Like it's it's it's. I'm, I'm, I might as well take it intravenously every day. That's the only thing that'll ever that'll get me on. Maybe you know, being of Italian descent, pasta. But other than that, nothing. I stick with this sweet tea. That's how I get my caffeine. Sweeten it with the, oh. those artificial sweeteners that that are eating away at my brain every day. That's how I get it done. Lots to talk about. We have a UFC on Fox show. We have spies. We have drug test violations. We have everything except for actual fighting over the past. Well, no, we we do have some of that. We have Pokemon to talk about. We got a lot of shit to get into, Joe. We're really going to talk about Pokemon? Hell yeah, we're talking about Pokemon. Let's start off with that, actually. I interviewed uh, Michael Page last week and Cyborg Santos. Michael Page, well, I'll talk about the fight itself momentarily, but he landed a vicious knee in the second round to Cyborg Santos' forehead that, I don't know if you saw the picture, Joe, looked like it just caved in his entire forehead. It was disgusting. Um, Chris Cyborg, his ex-wife, started to go fund me, which is kind of awesome to see how people banded together to raise $24,000 for this guy who is going to be out of the cage for quite some time. After the fight, Michael Page, which it's not, no surprise that he did this, and he didn't know of Cyborg's condition as he did it, put on a Pokemon hat, rolled a Pokeball. Now, we'll get into the the technical nuances of the fight momentarily, but but what did you think about this entire situation from from the way that Page acted to the unfortunate injury of Cyborg? Um. Page is Michael Page, right? I mean, uh, mm-hmm. doing that is it, it is what it is. But the whole injury situation was as graphic as it's ever going to get. I mean, people can can retweet and show these pictures all they want. I mean, this this is proof positive again what these fighters do for 
us guys in the media and, and fans and stuff like that, that there's, you know, every so often there's going to be just a brutal injury. I mean, from Anderson Silva's shin shattering. I mean, we've seen that in Muay Thai countless times to what happened with Cyborg to, you know, Tim Sylvia's arm uh, to, you know, Frank Mir breaking Tim Sylvia's arm. Uh, Corey Hill. Pay-per-view. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's just graphic. I mean, um, Dana White said it best one time, this isn't ping pong. And these guys are human beings. They're fighting and, you know, these injuries happen. But the way, uh, I mean, that, that knee that was landed was was spectacular. But, I mean, with Santos saying he's going to be back within six months, I don't think so, bud. That's, uh, I mean, knock on wood, you can come back and compete if you want to compete. But hopefully you don't compete because that's a gruesome injury. I mean, that that could have been a lot worse than what it was. But uh, and, and, and just to see the skull fracture and then the way he looked afterwards, I mean, Oh, I know. I mean, he's a tough guy. I mean, go watch his fight with Nick Diaz. I mean, that guy's a tough guy. All of, I mean, it's so many of his fights. But to go through what he did and to still be so positive and say everything is going to be fine. Oh, don't worry about Christiane. She's crazy. I'm good. I'm okay. Oh, this GoFundMe page is crazy. Man, you're not making that much money, dude. And you need all the help you can get. So good on the people that helped raise $24,000. It's fantastic so far. Yeah, this is a guy who has retired once before. And this year alone has fought as many times, I think, as he had in the past five years. So he was, he was kind of pressing his luck as it was. He told me personally that he wanted to fight four more times after this fight. Of course, that was before this injury happened. Um, so, you know, we talked about, about the celebration and all that stuff. That, that's, that's to be expected from Michael Page. It's nothing new. We did see him put on his back rather easily by Cyborg Santos, and there were a lot of things that didn't look too hot there. Like, if he were facing anybody with a semblance of a wrestling background, I feel like he would have been in a whole lot of trouble. Flat on his back, not working to his hips, uh, didn't threaten to get up at any point in that first round. Did you happen, did you see that first round, and what what did you think of that? That you know, He's been training for four years now. He's He's got to be a little bit better off of his back than that. We do know that he has some semblance of an idea of what to do on the ground. He's got three rather impressive submission victories, but they're against complete donks. So It was puzzling. I mean, you, you figured there were so many options for him to get up uh, or at least, you know, put himself in a better position uh, and do it. So it was just kind of like, okay, what are you doing there, bud? Like, uh, hmm. Uh, do you not want to stand up with Evangelista? Like, I mean, what's going on here? So it did seem weird, but I mean, you just take a look. If you look at that main event for that car with Douglas Lima and Paul Daly, I mean, maybe if you're fighting Paul Daly, and Paul Daly's got a ground game. It's not the greatest, but he's got a ground game. But you, you, I mean, you look at the top of this this division with Douglas Lima up there. Like, I mean, ooh, buddy, you, you don't want to do that with Douglas Lima. He's going to hurt you. I mean, and kudos to Douglas Lima to going in there, to going all the way to O2 Arena in, in London, England, and, and defeating a guy like Paul Daly. Uh, you know, pitched a three-round shutout. I saw him at Titan FC um, when uh, his brother Diego won the welterweight title. Uh, was it a month ago? Um, yeah. And we were just shooting the breeze, and you know, we're just talking about. He's, he's actually wanting to hopefully get his dad or his family to literally move to Toronto, my my neck of the woods. So we're talking about that. But then I said, man, you're going all the way to London, England to fight Paul Daly and Sean. He just looked at me and he's like, I don't care. I'll just smash him in his hometown. I was like, whoa. I mean, then you're not worried about, you know, hostile territory and stuff like that. He just shook his head, and, and Diego and, um, and Hohen Canero were just kind of like, nah, man, we're going to go there. We're going to take care of business. doesn't matter where that fight takes place. We're going to take care of business, and we're going to go home. And it's exactly what he did. 
Yeah, that, that was a guy who Paul Daly picked his name off of a list of potential opponents, too. Uh, is what Daly told me. So that makes it even more impressive. You know, and, and respect to Paul Daly for not picking some, you know, hack off of that list. Who knows if they even offered him hacks. But Douglas, or uh, yeah, that was probably the the best possible opponent he could have faced, given the situation. Absolutely. Uh, we, and one thing about Paul Daly, I mean, you, you tell me if I'm wrong here, but he's one of the coolest dudes out there. Despite his yeah. background, despite his brashness when he's actually on the microphone, get this guy away from a camera and just have a conversation with him. He's a cool dude. I mean, this guy's just a good guy. He's funny. He's got a great sense of humor. But, you know, turn the cameras on, and he's a totally different guy. Yeah. It was so, like, you've seen the Robbie Lawler, I would have taken his soul thing, right? You've seen that, that he said about Conor McGregor. Paul Daly hit me with one of those lines the other day. I was like, were you surprised that, I was just kind of just, you know, shooting the breeze with him. I was like, were you surprised that Koscheck pulled out? And he was like, no, Sean. I was at a press conference and I saw the fear in his eyes. And every time I've seen that fear in somebody's eyes, they've backed out. And I was like, damn, damn. Wow, that's uh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so uh, hopefully they can make that fight happen, though, because I think that's—I won't say a money fight for Bellator, but for what Bellator is putting out there, I think it's a good fight for Bellator. Um, I think it is a money fight, actually. I think—I mean, t- technically speaking, it's a fight that we've all wanted to see for a very long time, considering the bad blood between these two guys and what happened when they did compete in UFC in Montreal. I mean, with the sucker punch from Koscheck and or or from Daly, uh, it cost them his UFC career, and Dana White would never have him back. So. Uh, it is something that we want to see. I mean, Koscheck owned him in that fight. Let's be honest. He just people yeah. called it a wet blanket fight, uh, but he basically owned him in that fight. So, and, and you know, they're talking trash while they were on the ground. And you know, I was I think I was second row that that fight. I was lucky to be that close to the uh, to the octagon. So there there were some some heated words exchanged, and to see that afterwards, obviously uncalled for. But you know, it's it's just that bad blood. I don't think uh, Bellator can use the footage, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see. There's just so much news from this week in MMA. And there weren't any fights outside of Bellator. Brock Lesnar failed his his drug test. I know, I'm sure you're shocked, Joe, that Brock Lesnar could show up in that condition. Now, he tested positive for uh, one of the same substances that John Jones did, an, an estrogen blocker, which is often used when you're cycling off. Uh, he also failed a post-fight drug test. Now, this is important for a couple of reasons. He knew this test was coming. There's nothing random about a post-fight drug test. He knows that is coming. And if he's been doing this his whole career, one would think that he would know how to get off of that substance. Now, uh, he's facing a two-year suspension. And you've had people speculate, maybe he knew and just didn't care. And I was like, I don't know. Here's my theory, Joe. Brock Lesnar sacrificed his good reputation to take PED so he could beat Mark Hunt and get his message of unity out to the world. He is a martyr. I need you to tilt your camera or your screen down. I want to see what you're drinking. Because you're drinking something. I don't know, but I do have a Kentucky kicks ass shirt on. (laughs) I I, I think I kind of subscribe to the theory, Sean, that Brock just doesn't care, didn't care, or screwed up. I mean, post-fight tests or or, or just the tests of a fight night sort of thing, you know they're there. They're on a calendar. 
So if you want to cycle off something, you need to make the calculations accordingly. Um, that's why before you saw got involved in a lot of these drug tests, when guys would fail uh, drug tests the week of the fight, we would basically laugh them off thinking like, how bad is your math? You know, you're going to be tested on this day. You know, it takes X amount of time for something to come out of your, come out of your system. You're just dumb. Like, what are you doing? So I, I don't know if Lesnar's dumb because the guy makes what $2.5 million a fight in the UFC and who knows what he makes. I'm sure you know what he makes with, with WWE, but it's a smart guy, but to do something like that, you have to think either you're dumb or you don't care. Could he you screw know, up probably, but who knows? You know, it's funny because you're actually contracted to do breaking news podcasts with us. And both times that breaking news have happened, one time I was in Cincinnati on my night off. I sat down in my seat at a wrestling show and the news breaks about Brock Lesnar. It's like, well, we can't get Joe right now. And the other time we got off of like a a 100 minute podcast. So that that's why we didn't have the great showdown Joe last week on the breaking news. I wasn't going to call him up at 1 a.m. and say, hey, Joe. Let's get on this this podcast and talk about Brock Lesnar. Um, The Lesnar thing, interesting with with his wrestling, because he is slated to face Randy Orton next month at SummerSlam. And the New York State Athletic Commission regulates pro wrestling, but they don't regulate the wrestlers individually. They do not license the wrestlers individually. They license the promoters. That's important because that makes it – that leaves it to the discretion of the WWE – as to whether or not he can wrestle. Now, they have their own drug policy, but if you fail a test, it's a 30-day suspension. Brock Lesnar can say, hey, well, you know what? I'm just going to delay this. We're going to do our due diligence and uh, any of that. Also, he may not even be subject to their testing because in their own testing policy, it says that only regular uh, performers are subject to that testing, and he has not performed in, I think, three or four months now. So lots of ramifications coming from that. I, you know, WWE just had a, another big superstar, Roman Reigns, fail a drug test last month. They did their WWE draft, which I'm sure you were all over, Joe. But both men slid much further in those drafts than people thought. So it was kind of the WWE maybe even putting out there, hey, we're not going to put over these guys who are failing for substances. The lesser situation will be an interesting one. Um, also, Chad Mendez suspended for two years. Not a guy I was expecting. Now, there were a lot of people who were incorrectly saying he failed for HGH. This is much, well, it's, it's a different than HGH. One, you have to be also a real moron to fail an HGH test, uh, from my experience of, of talking to people that do that. Um, you can get around that pretty easily. You don't, I don't think that, when's the last time a UFC fighter got popped for HGH? I don't even remember to be honest. Have they? I don't think so. Yeah, because you got rumors of guys taking HGH. I would say five years ago, maybe that it was something that was fairly prevalent. And then when the when the when guys started getting caught for other stuff, it's when people were quiet about HGH. But I've heard a lot of different. Um, you know, I'm not going to name names and, and, you know, my name's not Chael Sonnen. I'm not going to just throw names <laughs> out there, whether I know who it is or not. But I've, I've, I've heard guys do interviews where they say just, you know, if, if, if you know, drug testing companies, USADA, Bada, whomever want to come, absolutely just give me an hour. You need that hour for, son. What's the hour for? Just give me an hour. Well, what are you taking that can be out of your system within an hour? What do you need to do? So I've heard so many different things, but 
yeah, HGH, Sean, I don't know of anyone that I can think of off the top of my head that's been pinched uh, under the UFC banner. Because you can get that. I mean, that goes away fairly quickly. Um, but I'll say one thing. These UFC fighters, they're really concerned about estrogen, apparently. Seems to be a, a, a fair concern. They, they yeah, don't want the fable when I first hit, Joe. What's that? They don't want the fabled bitch tits, Joe. Well, when I first started reading that, I was kind of like, isn't that what's supposed to like, what, what, what do you, what? So I did some more research on it and I guess it kind of made sense, but I'm like, yeah. you know, you think estrogen, you think ladies, you know, you think testosterone, you think men. And then when, when women are doing testosterone, they're getting really, really big. And when guys are doing some sort of estrogen blockers and I'm like, what? Like, holy, that, I just don't get the stuff. Again, Test me, and you're going to get me for coffee. You're going to get me for caffeine. My caffeine levels are far above probably the average human being uh, other than that because, you know, I, I, I'm up at 6 a.m. I don't go to bed sometimes till 2 a.m. I try and get to bed at 10, but I can't because I'm just sitting on the couch or, you know, just, oh, my God, I'm so wired right now. But other than that, like I'm, all this other stuff and oh, what are you putting in your system, man? That's stuff that goes into horses, isn't it? Wow. Um, the Ultimate Fighter 24 cast was announced, and – for once, I will watch every single fight that happens on this show. Um, and there aren't any huge, huge names. Tim Elliott is a big one, I think, that has been doing very well. Uh, but what they did is they went and they got champions from like 16 other organizations. And one of these guys is going to fight Demetrius Johnson. When you have such – I don't want to say a shallow division because it's not necessarily a shallow division. When you have a division that a guy has run through like that, I like this idea. It gives me a reason to give some semblance of care about this show that I don't care about anymore. And I'm, I will not watch the show in general, but I will watch every fight. Joe, is this show doing anything for you? Right now it's doing zero. Uh, <laughs> but I'll tell you this. It, when they had the uh, Ultimate Fighter tryouts in New Jersey – uh, it was the season that had TJ Dillashaw and um, uh, John Dotson. Um, I was having a conversation with a few UFC executives, and um, we're just talking about ideas for the show. Obviously, I have got zero say because the producers at the time weren't there. But you know, there was a conversation of there's so many different mixed martial arts organizations. Why not get champions from all these organizations? And if you can't fit 16 champions the champions plus the number one contenders in all these different divisions only be or divisions or weight class, excuse me, only because you're not getting elite fighters. You're not getting some random guys that think they can become an ultimate fighter or, and, or get to the UFC and because they're crazy and they can do crazy stuff on the show. You're getting legit fighters. I would rather have legit fighters, uh, champions that are crazy than some random dude who's, who's, you know, never sparred in his life getting on a show and, and, and you're never going to get to the UFC. Now we're going to watch an ultimate fighter season with legit fighters, legit guys that have come up the ranks and are wearing belts. Tim Elliott is the perfect example. Yes. He's already fought in the UFC. He had a stint there. didn't do overly well, but when he fights for Titan uh, and I wrote it in my article, this guy is arguably one of the most exciting fighters I have ever seen. And I've seen hundreds. I didn't type thousands because I wasn't able to calculate it. But I've seen hundreds of fighters compete in front of my eyes, and Timothy Elliott is one of the most exciting guys I've ever seen compete in a cage. The guy is nuts. 
He thinks he's in the matrix. At least I think he thinks he's in the matrix. He does stupid, crazy things that work. He's fearless. Doesn't care. He's fast. Now he's going to be shown for, you know, 13 weeks on the ultimate fighter. And, you know, I think he's going to win the show personally, unless barring an injury, knock on wood, whatever. But, uh, and again, yes, Sean, biased Titan FC play by play guy. I know, I know what you're thinking, but I liked him. I think he's fantastic. I actually think he's going to win the show, but now you've got 15 other guys that have belts that have worked their way up some grassroots system to become a champion. I love this idea. And again, it's going to give you guys that are legitimate enough to compete in the UFC and they've got to go through each other in a round robin tournament. Uh, and see, and then I got the two finale, two guys in the finale fight each other and the winner gets Demetrius Johnson. Solid idea. And we, we mentioned, you know, he didn't have the best go of it in the UFC the first time around. He was two and four, but you look at the guys that beat him, John Dodson. Uh, okay. Well, you know, that that's, we can excuse that. Zach Makovsky, former Bellator champion. I think that was at 135 when he held a, Bellator title as well. Uh, Joseph Benavidez. Well, okay. Ali Bagatina. Pretty sure he was on the EPO at that time. So, um, <laughs> yeah. And you know what? You know what? Nobody has ever failed for. What's that? On it. You want to know why nobody has ever failed for on it, Joe? I'm curious to know because they don't put a lot of ridiculous shit in their products. And that's why our good viewers, our good fans, our good readers should go check them out. Go to the podcast page, click the link, go check out all of Onnit's great stuff. I use Alpha Brain all the time. I work nonstop, Joe. I told Joe last night, I'm up till four and five in the morning adding content to the site. Alpha Brain helps me do it. But hey, if, if you don't want to take it from me, if you're a pro wrestling fan, Triple H, Cesaro, Seth Rollins, They've never failed drug tests either, Joe. Never, ever. Tell me what Alpha you know, Brain is. Never- I've heard really good things about Alpha Brain. I've never taken it. And, and, and pardon my ignorance, and if there's any Canadian viewers out there, hit me up at Showdown Joe on, on, uh, on Twitter or any, any one of my social medias. I'm not sure if we can get it in Canada, if it's available here. If it can only be shipped here. But I've heard a lot of good things about Alpha Brain. What, what exactly does it do? Oh, it's fantastic. It improves your memory, focus. You know what? I will smuggle it across the border. I will find a way. I will risk being put on a no-fly list to get you some of this stuff because it's fantastic. Go to uh, our podcast page. Click that link. They've got a ton of stuff for sale. You may have used kettlebells before. You've never seen kettlebells until you've seen Onnit kettlebells. Also, uh, I might test positive for silky smooth skin after all this krill oil i've been taking just saying just saying (laughs) seriously though i'm I'm trying to be serious here and and thank you very much on it but uh i do want to get my hands on some on it product part of my ignorance again because i can just simply go on the site click it and order it but can you buy it in the states like in stores or is it you got to buy it online i'm not sure but they should everybody should be buying it online through our link Absolutely. I'm just saying when I come down to Florida for Titan, I want to buy some like right away. If not, if I can't, guess what I'm doing right after the show? Just, uh, just get an address. Get, a, get, get an address. I'm sure, you know, I'm tight with the Titan PR people. They, they send me all the stuff, you know, all that. <laughs> they, they like me more than you, Joe, because they send me press releases. So, yeah. On it, check it out. Like I said, our podcast page, go to that link. We, we might have a banner up on the main page as well. 
Um, more MMA news to get into. I will be talking wrestling without Joe later on. Don't worry. Joe won't be here to mess up our fun wrestling time, guys. Uh, now, we talked about Chael Sonnen earlier and how occasionally he'll just say some shit. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, Joe. You never know if it's true or not, but you always have to operate on the assumption that it might be true. Because it might be coming from Chael Sonnen. Now, he said the things like where, like, you know, he said the, the Crow Cop fight where he fought, fought uh, Dos Terras, who is uh, Alberto Del Rio in WWE now, that uh, Del Rio took a dive or was planning to take a dive. And I've spoken to Del Rio, and he's like, I wish it was that way, given the way that it turned out, but it was not. Um, when he says this stuff, what do you think his motivation is for one? Like, I mean, I know he was promoting a submission underground show and that, you know, he wanted to get some more eyes on that. Of course. What do you, what do you think he gains out of this though? Outside of that? I don't know. I don't know. Other than, than the fact that his, his, his level of awesomeness continues to go up because the guy is something else and it doesn't matter when, where, how I interact with Chael. The guy always seems to just like, what did you just say? Like, Oh my goodness. Like, again, going back to that John Jones thing that we talked about uh, during the last podcast about John, you know, allegedly hiding uh, under the cage at Jackson Winkle, John, uh, as uh, the drug testers were there and he stayed there for like three hours, whatever. I mean, that's stuff that I had heard uh, hearsay wise, but I would never go with and I didn't care to chase the story down. And then, you know, two years later, Chael just comes out and says it. And I'm just kind of like, he didn't do stuff that Chael does is incredible. Um, He's, I, I don't know what the benefit is other than, you know, he, he's a master promoter, self-promoter at least. So I know what he's doing with that. Uh, you know, in, in general, I would take a lot of what Chael would say um, momentarily with a grain of salt until I could either A, text him or call him and or talk to people around him and then be like, this guy's telling the truth. Like this guy's out of control. He's just like, he, there's certain things that, you know, and, and, and you know, I've been accused of being politically correct a million times and I'm just kind of like, I'm not going with that one. That's just for someone else. Yeah. Somebody wants to break that story or whatever. I'm just go ahead. I'm not, I'm not doing it. She doesn't care. He's just going to do doesn't. it. Just doesn't care. A lot of his interviews are the same, but I found myself listening to five hours worth of his interviews last week as he promoted this submission underground show. Hopefully uh, we can get him on sometime because He's fantastic. And, and you know what? I could have him on for the wrestling portion, too, and he'd probably love that. Um, yeah, that guy is – he's a treasure to the sport. He really is. Um, you ever met someone that said that Chael Sonnen's like, you know, he's not an intelligent guy or that he's a dummy? Has anyone ever told you that? Never. Yeah. Believe me. This is one smart guy. This is a guy who gets it. Um, you know, and, and one of the nicest guys – uh, I know I say it a lot about fighters, but um, I'll, I'll tell you the quick story. I guess wrestling related. Uh, Oklahoma City, we did uh, me, myself, Chael, and Jim Ross, we did the Battlegrounds uh, tournament show, uh, welterweight tournament, one night, eight, or was it an eight man tournament, 60 man tournament? Forgot what it was. And Chael and I landed at the airport uh, within 45 minutes of each other. Uh, I got a, uh, I, I, I called for the shuttle service, like, oh, Chael's going to be landing shortly. Do you mind waiting? I'm like, yeah, that's not a problem. We get there. Uh, Chael shows up. Hey, what's going on? How you been? This, this, and that. No problem. Cool. We take the shuttle back to the hotel. We check in. He's like, uh, how long do you need to get ready? I said, what do you mean get ready? He goes, oh, well, you know, you, what, what are you going to do? I said, nothing. I'm just going to check in and do my stuff. He's like, well, we're having dinner downstairs. I said, okay. 
So we go down there, and lo and behold, there's Jim Ross. There's Shale Sonnen. And I, I sit down, and, you know, the, the, the waitress comes over. She goes, uh, do you want anything to drink with your steak? I looked at her. I said, what? What steak? Right? Shale goes, I ordered you a steak, medium. That's the only way you're going to eat it. <laughs> That's the type of guy Chael Sonnen is. And to this day, I haven't been able to, like, A, pay him back, B, buy a mistake. We just haven't had a chance. But that's the type of guy Chael Sonnen is, is, is he'll just take money out of his pocket and, bang, buy you a steak. Whatever. He's got, as you know, he loves his steak. I mean, the guy is just red meat uh, personified. But uh, that's the type of guy that he is. And, and, and then, man, I've got Jim Ross, story, Jim Ross stories for you, Sean. That'll take up, you know, another hundred minutes of a podcast. That guy there is on. Imagine being in a pickup truck in Oklahoma with Jim Ross. That guy has the most unique sense of humor. The driest. Just, I'm talking depraved of any hydration sense of humor I have ever dealt with. And I love it. I love it because uh, his timing is impeccable. It really is. Um, lots more MMA news. TJ Dillashaw ripped the UFC. We have an article up on the site about it. Said that they treat their uh, fighters like employees. It's hard to disagree with him, Joe, uh, given the things that they are subjected to. What did you make of his comments? Uh, he, you know, he wasn't happy about it. You know, he doesn't like having to tell Usada where he is, uh, what he's doing, being subjected to this all the time. Uh, what do you make of those comments? Um, it's a guy not getting a title shot, <laughs> number one. Um, I, guess, I guess good for him for speaking out and, and saying what he wants to say, but you realize when you when you rock the boat like that, there could be ramifications, it could be repercussions. And now we got Mark Hunt on his website wanting to start a quote-unquote fighters association. I was about uh, to ask you about that. um, Yeah, and and so there's another guy, excuse me, speaking out um, against the UFC, talking about how the UFC is making all this money, and now, you know, they've been sold. No one really told us anything. They told us not to worry. That's what TJ was saying. And, you know, guys are starting to speak out. It's almost like it continues to funnel to this. These guys, they want to start a union, but no one ever wants to really do anything about it. Uh, I know there's a class action lawsuit and, and all that jazz, but you know TJ saying what he said. I mean, y- y- yeah, it's it's your podcast, it's the Team Alpha Male podcast and whatnot, but it's online, man. And you don't think that Dana White or whomever is gonna gonna get involved with that? Dana White's still with the UFC, um, you know, and and he's a very vindictive individual. Um, you don't want to tick him off if you're under his banner. And you know, d- does TJ Dillashaw want to start start competing on the on? The, the, I was going to say Facebook prelims, <laughs> the Fight Pass prelims. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like th- this is what it could turn into. So you got to be sort of careful. Now, um, just to go, to, just to think about that for a second, Sean, and I've said this before, um, and, and I'll, I'll bring it back to why I say this. Uh, in the mid 90s, um, when, when I discovered my passion and love for mixed martial arts, uh, I wanted to be a fighter. That's the reason why I got in. I trained boxing uh, at six o'clock. Seven o'clock was uh, jujitsu. Nine o'clock we had an hour break, and then at nine o'clock we had Muay Thai, and we would do that three, four times a week. Um, it was getting good, getting really good, getting very proficient, and said, "You know what? I want to fight pro. Uh, where can we fight? Well, we can't fight in my province. We got to go over to Montreal or the Indian Reserve, and you know, you get paid two hundred dollars a fight." I said, "What? You get paid two hundred, three hundred dollars a fight?" 
I said, what are you crazy? I make that in, in two or three days at the job I was working at the time. Why would I? And I got to train, you know, at the time it was three weeks for a fight, two weeks for a fight uh, yeah. to get ready for a fight. That's just not going to happen, blah, blah. So, and then as time went on, I thought to myself, well, I do have the option if I do want to fight. It's just that I'm not going to make a lot of money and I've got to balance it with a full-time job. I'm not signing this contract. I'm not signing any contract to fight. Uh, and then of course, you know, if anyone that knows me personally, all the injuries and, you know, that career went out the window pretty quick and I decided to stay in MMA became who I am right now. But to me, it's like, don't sign the contract. If you're signing that contract, you know what you're getting into. And if you don't know what you're getting into, that's your fault because there's a fair amount of, if you've ever seen a UFC contract, there's a fair amount of terms in there. Uh, there's stuff you got to read. There's stuff you got to understand and you're signing it. So you understand what you're getting into. Um, if you don't like it, don't sign it. Go do something else. Um, I know it sounds a bit brash and a bit harsh uh, because, you know, no, no one loves these fighters more than I do. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you signed a, like, oh, a guy's been fighting with the UFC for X amount of time and now he's in a championship fight. But the guy in the co-main event made 300000 more than him and he's only making 15000 Well, you signed a fight that said your first four fights we're going to be 4,000, 4,000, 8,000, 8,000, 10,000, 10,000, 12,000, 12,000. If it's your fourth fight in a title fight and you sign to be 12,000, 12,000, what do you want? You sign that contract, whether it's a title fight or not. So there's certain stipulations in terms of a contract. If you sign it, that's what you need to be aware of. Now, um, part of that contract probably stipulated something that the UFC has the right to bring in their own sponsors. And if it changes the deal, uh, you got to sign here, or you got to do this, or you got to do that. Bring in the Reebok deal. Not on anyone that's happy with that Reebok deal, um, but that's part of the thing. Now, TJ's points are pretty valid. Am I an employee or am I an independent contractor? Because I'm signed as an independent contractor, but I got to tell you exactly where I have to be because of USADA, and I have to wear a uniform uh, whenever I'm, I'm, I'm doing weigh-ins or whenever I'm, it's, it's fight week. I have to wear a specific uniform. I can't bring in other sponsors. I thought I was an independent contractor. What does this all really mean? So I completely agree with TJ Dillashaw on that point there, but it's like, holy smokes, like where do you go with this? Hence the reason why there's a class action lawsuit. Yeah, and, and you hear a lot of these same things in the WWE because they're listed as independent contractors as well. Uh, what I want to ask you is do you think that they are in a better or worse position to possibly unionize or have a fighters association with this sale happening? I don't think it makes a difference unless I don't think it makes a difference. No, I don't think it makes a difference one bit. Uh, I think it remains the same. Um, I, I think the people that are going to be defending, um, you know, the ultimate fighting championship and the new organ or the new ownership, um, I, I, they're not going to lose this lawsuit. I don't know. I don't think they'll lose this lawsuit to be honest with you. Uh, there might be certain changes. Uh, I don't know if the, if a union will ever start. I mean, if you look at the way most unions have been started, um, you know, it takes some pretty big people to get involved. Um, I don't think Mark Hunt has that pull or that power. I don't think a lot of the UC guys are, or fighters are ready to rock the boat like Hunt and TJ Dillashaw are. Um, you know, the, the one guy that can or two guys that can are George St. Pierre and John Jones. Uh, those are two pretty big names. But George isn't competing for the organization anymore, and John is suspended indefinitely for a very yeah. long time. But you know, you know, I, I was talking to a bunch of people like, what if they just freeze him? They just freeze John Jones till they have to they have to offer him another fight at the end of his contract, and if he's signed on for seven years, freeze him, 
and then we'll see what happens from there. But John Jones does have does have cachet enough to to potentially begin starting a union, but then everybody else will start losing money because they ain't competing, they ain't getting paid, right? So yeah. it's 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 a fine line, Sean. It's a very fine line. Jose Aldo has spies, Joe. He told reporters that he had a leg up on Frankie Edgar because he had Brazilian spies who were training close to Edgar the week of the fight. Said that he that's the reason he didn't throw a lot of kicks because he knew they would get countered by takedowns, which, you know, anybody who was breaking down the fight beforehand kind of, you know, expected that. Also, uh, he didn't use his left hand as much because he, he heard that Frankie Edgar was working to counter it. Mark Henry, I believe his quote was, I don't give a shit, and we should have adjusted either way. Now, as I mentioned to you before, like anytime we've had, uh, like my fight team has had amateur fights, even, even some pros, you're basically warming up ass to ass with these your opponents in these small venues as it is. So, you know, this isn't, you know, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. But Aldo says this happens all the time, which begs the question, who the hell was spying on Conor McGregor for him? <laughs> no, good point. Now, when I first heard the story that, that Jose said this, I, you know, the first thing that came to mind is just, shut up. That's just BS. Then I thought to myself, wait a second. I started thinking to myself how the UFC generally sets up <clears throat> the training rooms. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, for the fighters, there could be a potential that, you know, when, when, when Frankie Edgar was training in his allocated room, because they've got, a, they've got the rooms divided into certain areas where at some point, you know, you can also say, no, I, I, want, the, I want the room for, from, from 9.30 uh, to 10.30, right? Uh, the UFC may turn you down. I'm talking back in the Burt Watson days, but, um, you know, they, they would work certain things out. But there is a chance that, you know, the, the room that Frankie Edgar may have had had another list of three or four fighters. And of those three or four fighters, there may have been Brazilian cornermen in there that could then go, that don't care about Frankie Edgar, but then could go to Jose Aldo and say, yeah, man, they're working this combination. They were doing this. They were really stressing that. I could see that being a reality now when I break it down in my head. Now, that could also be, like I mentioned, you know, Mark Henry and Frankie, and Frankie Edgar and the team could have been like, nobody in here. Nobody in here. I mean, I've been in the room before with the cameras and my producers and we're doing features on fighters 
um, where you know we can just get B-roll of them doing whatever. But as soon as they were doing specific combinations, they would just look over at me and kind of give me the old stop recording for a bit, and we would stop recording. I would see it. I keep my mouth shut. Obviously, I don't want this guy ever coming after me, right? But I would know going into a fight, hey man, this is what he's going to be doing, and this, this, and that. But I, you know, we keep our mouth shut. But can that potentially happen? Can Jose Aldo maybe be embellishing something or perhaps telling the truth? Yeah, there's a possibility that that could have happened. Yeah, I definitely think it's a possibility. Um, do you think that Aldo's future opponents or just fighters in general in the UFC are going to be like? Hey, look what this guy's doing. You all are going to have to provide us with some more amenities to prevent this. 100%. No ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah, they should, right? If, if, yeah. If Jose Aldo, let's say he is telling the truth, you just let the cat out of the bag, son. You let your secret out. Now that secret is gone. You're no longer, you're no longer going to be able to do it because every opponent moving forward is going to want to train alone when they get to the venue uh, or to the city where the UFC is holding that event. And he, it, it's just not going to happen. It's done. Jose, I think true, And it's a reality. You made a mistake. We have a UFC on Fox card this Saturday. You will not be here with us on the post show. How dare you, Joe? But, but Joe has uh, several articles coming up this week on Fightful.com. If you all haven't checked it out, Check out the website, Fightful.com. I know a lot of you are finding the podcast because of Joe, because of me, other things that we've done in the past. But if you haven't checked out Fightful.com, do it. We're hoping to have the site completely finished Friday. Uh, We're really going to ramp up the marketing and things of that nature. But uh, we're going to have forums for you guys. The comment section will be updated. We're going to have a members-only section where you can register for free. It will never cost any money. You'll never have to use a credit card, anything of that nature. You'll be able to get exclusive content from Showdown Joe, Vince Russo, myself. I'll be breaking some exclusive wrestling news. Uh, I have interviews with pro wrestlers, MMA fighters. Joe is very, very well connected within the MMA world. And Fightful.com is the place to be. We're looking to bring you all a different kind of experience. We do like these Fightful uh, fight size MMA wrestling and boxing updates where you get some of the smaller news or news that, you know, don't really constitute a full story that we're not going to try to BS you and stretch out. We're not going to go all clickbait on them, Joe. Clickbait's part of the industry. I wouldn't be surprised if I do something like that. You're supposed to back me up here. I'm trying to work these people, Joe. Good God. I'm trying to sell the side here. I fully concur with whatever Sean Ross Sapp says. (sighs) Now I got to scrap that. 10 Michelle Watterson bikini pictures article I was working on for tomorrow. Right out the window, Joe. Damn it. How did I know you were going to go there? So easy. <laughs> Either way, um, <laughs> uh, you, you know those guys. You know those creeps that just write about women's mixed martial arts. Those are the weirdos to me. If you just watch men or women fight, you're weird to me. Same thing with wrestling. There's a lot of those people in wrestling, too. If you just watch one or the other, you're weird to me. And if you just write about it, that makes you even a little weirder. Especially if you do like top 10 smelliest singlet articles and stuff like that. I don't care about that. We have this UFC on Fox card from Chicago. We're not going to talk about every fight on this show. But uh, what are a couple of the big fights that you're looking forward to on the prelims? Oh, definitely my broadcast partner from Titan. 
Kamar Usman. He's yeah. taking Alexander Yakolov. Yeah, man, that's going to be a great scrap. I mean, uh, Kamaro's just this, just a smart dude. I can tell you that. I can, I can definitely confirm that. Um, I'm looking forward to this fight here because we're obviously doing commentary uh, two weeks after that, I guess. So hopefully, knock on wood, he comes out okay and uh, emerges victorious. I mean, he's really excited about this fight. Um, he spent some time over in, uh, in China doing an appearance and doing some training out there, but came back home, back in Florida, doing his thing, and very excited about that fight there. I mean, people aren't overly huge fans of Darren Elkins. I am. Uh, I love watching guy fight. I mean, he gets he's a, he's a blue-collar fighter. Uh, he's taken on uh, Godofredo Pepe and, you know, Eddie Wineland, man. I still love the guy. The guy's got massive speed, uh, despite his age, uh, you know, starting to come up there. But uh, Eddie Wineland, man, I'm always looking forward to Eddie Wineland taking on Frankie Sands. I, I'm, liking that. I'm liking this undercard. One thing I wanted to ask you, does it seem to you like Eddie Wineland has one foot out the door? Because he has contemplated retirement in the past, I think after the Cincinnati show. Um, I think it was the Johnny Eduardo fight where he got his jaw wrecked pretty bad. And I know that he, he, it's, he spent over a year out of the cage. It's been a year since his loss to Brian Caraway. If he loses this fight, do you think this might be it for him? Well, at age 32 is when you start coming down off your, your, uh, your peak of mixed martial arts. So, and, and he is 32 right now. Uh, just turned 32, by the way, June 26th. So he's, he's at that age right now. He is, you know, he's lost three of his last four fights. Uh, you know, pretty good fighters. Hayden Burrell, Johnny Eduardo, and Brian Caraway. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, 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 he's coming up. And, I mean, let's be honest. This guy's been fighting since 2003. It's 2016. That's 13 years of mixed martial arts training and fighting uh, on your body. That's a lot of mileage, uh, or shall we say kilometers in Canada, uh, a lot of mileage uh, on a human being's body to be competing for that long. So um, does he have one foot out the door? Mentally, hopefully he doesn't. But if he does lose this, it's, yeah, he, he could be walking, could be hanging up his gloves. Then we have the main card on Fox. Uh, glad to see Felice Herrig back at it. I know she's been through some things of lately. Also did the American Ninja Warrior uh, deal. She's been out of the cage for, I think, 15 months now. It's crazy to think that's been, it's been that long since she fought Paige Van Zandt. Um, she, uh, gosh, who does she take on? Uh, Kaylin Curran, another uh, former victim, quote-unquote, of Paige Van Zandt. Four and two, you know they're putting they're putting this fight on the main card because of Felice Herrig, I would imagine, and with with good reason. She's coming off the American Ninja Warrior thing. She has a, a good following. Uh, who you got in this fight? I, I don't want to say who you got because it's so unpredictable. MMA. What are you expecting out of this fight? Uh well, the fact that that Herrig's been out for so long always causes me concern. Um, Current, current's, you know, she, she, she hasn't competed in six months, uh, but she did take out Emily Kagan, so I'm, I'm kind of impressed with that performance. That was a second round. Uh, it only what I think it was a choke, we're naked choke. Um, so, you know, I, I'm going to go with uh, Current in this fight, only because, you know, Felice has been gone for so long, and, you know, I'm not saying her, her mind isn't back in a mixed martial arts. She's put in a training camp here, uh, so she should be good to go. Um, it's, 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 it's a tough, I mean, do you look at the odds in this fight? What, what are the people saying? I mean, this this is a good scrap here, in my opinion. It's it's you know, anytime you kick off a a main card with the ladies, it's fantastic, and we're ending it with the ladies as well. So 
Uh, I think it'll be a fun fight. I just, I'm, I'm just going to give the edge to Curran. Human beings are not supposed to be as big as Francis Nguanu. I can't pronounce his name. You're good with those. 6'4", 250. This guy is a monster, and I'm very excited to watch him fight. I also also cannot pronounce the name of his opponent. Bojan Milahovic, I think. Um, now, Francis is 2-0 in the UFC. Anytime you can reel together three, you can just glue together three wins in a row in the UFC heavyweight division, people kind of start to turn their head and say, okay, well, at least look at this guy. Pay attention to him because, you know, heavyweight fights in particular are so unpredictable. Um, now this, you know, as I said, I, I don't know a lot about uh, Milahovic, I think is his last name. Milahovic? Milahovic, perhaps. I should have done my research uh, leading into this one for sure. What have you seen out of Francis so far? And you think he's going to continue this this short this short reign of destruction that he's had since last December? Well, based on what we see here and and, and what he's done, yeah, I think he is. I think he's going to be. Uh, I think he'll emerge victorious in this fight. Um, the, the only issue is, you know, when do you start? When when do you, when do they put him against the the gatekeepers? Right? Like this is yeah, you're doing what you're doing right now and. Maybe they're building him up, you know, on that, that what Nate Diaz always calls that side of the bracket. You know, I'm on that side of the bracket, and he's they're building him up on that side of the bracket to eventually get to someone. But you're going to have to get through, you know, the Roy Nelsons, eventually Derek Lewis's. You're going to have to get, fight those guys before you even get close uh, to getting a title shot. So, um, yeah, I think he'll, he'll probably get his third straight victory in the Ultimate Fighting Championship, but um, not expecting much from him just yet. I mean, the guy's a monster, 250 pounds, 63-inch, you know, reach. He's a beast. Uh, but, you know, it's – it's. I, I, I think you're right. The minute you start seeing three wins in the heavyweight division, eyes start popping, and people are like, oh, hey, whoa, hold on here. You know, I, I just don't think he's there yet. Um, and we, we always sort of overestimate these guys in the heavyweight division because they technically end fights – until they get up there and they start fighting some really good guys in the top 10, top 15. So we'll see what happens. But I don't think he's just ready yet to take on the big guys. But we'll see how he does against uh, Bohan Mihalovic. I, I think I just screwed <laughs> that up as well. Uh, is it Mihalovic? Yeah. Mihaljovic. Smith. We'll, figure, we'll figure it out Saturday. I'll have it figured out by the end of broadcast <laughs> Saturday. I guarantee you. Uh, I'll, I'll leave the tough work to Joe Rogan or Brian Stan or whoever that may be. Then on to one of the, the most interesting fights, I think, gosh, all month even in, in July. Edson Barboza against Gilbert Melendez. Melendez coming off of that one-year suspension. He hasn't won a fight since 2013. A lot of that in part to that, uh, you know, that suspension. Has won one fight since May of 2012. And that was a split decision win over Josh Thompson who always always manages to, to be put in that position somehow. Edson Barboza coming off of a very one-sided win of uh, Anthony Pettis. He's won, I think, seven of his last ten. He's looking real – I mean, he, he always looks good. He, Edson Barboza is one of those guys that if he could put together five wins in a timely – and, you know, have the right timing, he could you – know, I could always see him being definitely a fill-in 
if somebody gets scrapped out of a big lightweight title fight, but he can't seem to put together those four or five wins in a row ever since, you know, that that crazy Adam wheel kick that, that made him, in my opinion. That was I went into the gym every day for a year and worked on that wheel kick after I saw him do it. He is capable of amazing things. This fight is going to be interesting. Um, man, what, what are you what are you looking for out of Melendez after a year off? And like I said, three years without a win. First things first, you made a spectacular point about Edson Barbosa. This guy's never won four fights in the UFC. He's had um, two, three fight or three victories um, streaks. Well, he he did when he he first started. He won four in a row to open up. But then, oh, he did. Yes. yeah, Mike Lulo. I forgot about that one. Yeah, okay. So he has won four in a row, but that's the beginning of the career. Now that he's gotten up there, um, you know, he loses to Jamie Varner, which was a stunner uh, to most of yeah. us. Um, losing to Donald Cerrone is fine. Uh, I thought he should have defeated. Uh, Michael Johnson um, and the Tony Ferguson. I thought, ah, you know what? I don't think Tony's going to do anything. I think he's in big trouble. And lo and behold, he loses to Tony Ferguson. So um, it, it's one of those things with with Edson Barbosa that I, I don't know what to say anymore. Um, you know, I think it's it's uh, the stars of a line for him with Gilbert Melendez being off, uh, coming off a suspension like that. Uh, but Gilbert Melendez is still a bad dude. He's one of the best fighters uh, to ever compete at 155 pounds. Uh, but alas. 34 years old, he lost a, a an important year in a, in, a, in a small window of a career towards the end that, you know, could have cost him, it probably cost him a lot of money because he could have probably had two fights in there and made some serious coin. Uh, as much as I'm thinking I want to lead, you know, lean towards Edson Barbosa, I might have to. I mean, he, he, the odds are, and the people are, are putting money, uh, they've got him as the favorite. Um, and, and I kind of agree with that. I think if you're going to, there could be value though at plus 185 in around that, that, that amount for Gilbert Melendez, because he still is Gilbert Melendez. But like you said, you take a look at his last uh, few fights. Yeah. You haven't won a fight. He's three and three losses in in his last four fights. And and that one was that incredible war, uh, with Diego Sanchez at UFC 166, which by the way, the media, uh, that was in Houston. I think Yeah, I was in Houston. Um, standing ovation, not just the crowd, but the media gave those guys a standing ovation. I'll never forget that. First time I ever saw that in my career uh, where everybody in the media just said, screw this, screw being, uh, you know, <laughs> just being, uh, yeah. no, forget ethics, we're standing up. That was the greatest thing we ever seen. So, yeah, um, interesting, very interesting. Um, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean towards Barbosa on this one. What about you? Yeah, I think so too. Um Melendez has that bad habit of, I don't want to say fighting down to someone else's skill set, but fighting down to their style. He, he, you know, he gets trapped into that a lot and lost to uh, Eddie Alvarez. Had, he, he beat Diego Sanchez, but he, he fought, like if Diego Sanchez were to say, this is what I want to do beforehand, gentlemen's agreement, that's how that fight would have happened. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, Man, I'm looking forward to that fight so much. That that's a that's a big fight. And if if Barboza wins and you go Pettis Melendez back to back, now granted they both had they both had some skids lately. That's two great names to have on the resume there. Um, main event: Holly Holm versus Valentina Shevchenko. You know, a lot of people don't know Valentina Shevchenko, dangerous fighter. Um, and you know, uh, 
Holly Holm has, it's been proven she isn't unbeatable. She got dragged into deep waters by, uh, by Misha Tate. And I think even if Misha Tate wouldn't have won that last round, I think that, or would have won that last round, but not finished it. I think she could have gotten a draw out of it probably. Uh, yeah, I, you got to give Shevchenko a chance just because, like like I said before, it's MMA and the, the style in which these two women fight. Do you think that Holm is getting it done on Saturday night? Do you think she's ready to get back into that title picture? And do you think that Misha Tate losing to Amanda Nunes puts Holm closer or further away from the title shot? And there, there's a lot to consider with that. Well, I think the fact that Misha Tate lost to uh, Amanda Nunes the way she did puts Holly Holm much closer to a title shot with a victory uh, over Valentina Shevchenko. The only thing I, the only issue I've ever had with Holly Holm um, is she always seems to fight, not necessarily to win, but to just take it and just earn points, earn. Um, almost just continue to, to, to add experience to her mixed martial arts resume with yeah. the exception of the Ronda Rousey fight, which, you know, shocked a lot of people. Well, it didn't shock a lot of people. Let me, let me rephrase that. The fact that she won the second round was like, holy smokes, you're not going three yeah. rounds, you're not going five rounds. Uh, Holly Holm has a habit of taking fights a lot longer, to finish fights a lot longer than they should. Um, but I think now that she wants that title shot, she wants to make a statement because I think she understands that um, this division's a mess. This division is like, you know, everyone's just waiting for Ronda Rousey to say, yeah, okay, I'm ready. Okay, here's your title shot, right? So she wants to bypass that and say, look, I just took out the girl that you told me I had to fight and I finished her off in, in you know, quote-unquote devastating fashion. I want that title shot. And then, you know, let me decide who I can fight, whether it's Ronda Rousey or Misha Tate next. Yeah, you mentioned how Holly Holm often fights just to win. I, I remember before the home fight I, or the Rousey fight, I went back and I watched every single fight, MMA fight, and it looked like Jackson Winklejohn and her had worked together and they just said, from 2011, 2012, whenever it may be, whenever Rousey had won the title, it's like she started to fight. Like She knew that Rousey was going to be the girl that she was going to face. And every single fight she had, regardless of the opponent's skill set, didn't matter if uh, she didn't face any wrestlers, but if it was a wrestler, a kickboxer, a Muay Thai striker, she fought like they were Ronda Rousey. Even if there were people that she could have absolutely wrecked in the clinch, I would notice that she would get the hell away from the clinch. It's like, okay, you're Ronda Rousey, and I'm not getting in your clinch, even if it was Juliana Werner. So, I mean, I think that had a lot to do with it. And then once, maybe once Misha Tate showed up and provided a different type of matchup that, you know, was just maybe too much pressure. Uh, she, you know, didn't, didn't, well, she ultimately failed, but she ran into some major struggles there. And I know one thing that, that split decision to Pennington is looking uh, less bad by the day considering Pennington's role, but this is a, this is a, I don't want to say a sleeper fight cause it's got Holly Holm, but, Valentina Shevchenko, uh, even though she lost to Amanda Nunez, is you know uh, more than capable. Uh, before we uh, before we let you go, Joe, I wanted to talk about just a couple of fighters on this Bellator card, not necessarily the fights. Emmanuel Sanchez, who I have an interview coming up with this week, he's fighting on the show. Good prospect. He is a teammate of the undefeated UFC fighter CM Punk. 
Joe. Did you know that? I do now. Undefeated, the CM Punk guy is after I think he's been signed with the company for over a year and a half. A year and a half. What's um, going on with that? Can you can you bring us up to speed on what is going on with this whole CM Punk thing? Because no disrespect to him, I I did look. I see the headline and I I just I don't care. Is it a fight? No, I don't want to read it. Well, Dana White approached him because I feel like if Dana White hadn't approached him, he probably would have went the Dave Batista route. And man, I wonder if if. Dana White feels pretty bad for not because D- Dave Batista was negotiating with Scott Coker before the sale of Bellator uh, or before the sale of Strike Force. Now he's in one of the biggest movie franchises in the world with Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, yeah, that, that's a freak show fight that, you know, if they threw him in there with a Herschel Walker, I, I'd watch Dave Batista fight Herschel Walker, but I love Herschel Walker too. He's, he's uh, good people's. CM Punk, I think, would have fought elsewhere, whether it be Bellator or a regional fight. I think he would have fought somewhere and probably would have fought well before now as well. But now that he did get signed by the UFC, he's like, oh, shit, this is real. This is something that's happening. I uh, don't know how he'll do against uh, Mickey Gall, though. Uh, Darian Caldwell also fighting on that Bellator show this Friday. He's the man. But what I wanted to ask you about, Melvin Gillard. One of the most, you know, he is he is an enigma. He is such a remarkably talented dude who can't seem to always put it together. He left the UFC. He lost, you know, he lost the fight in World Series of Fighting, which, you know, they, they had to put that fight together. Dropped two in Bellator. You think he's going to right this ship? He's facing David Rickles, who is absolutely no walk in the park. Short answer, no. He's not going to write the ship. Uh, long answer is, you know, the, the guy's been fighting forever uh, since 2002, 32, 16, 2, and 2. Okay? Uh, we we're talking about Eddie Wineland, uh, you know, the mileage in his body. I mean, the mileage on Melvin Gillard's body at age 33 is just as bad. It's just as long. I mean, this is a guy that's not. 26 years old anymore you know sometimes um i'm guilty of it as well that you just simply you can't look at these guys as they were when they were in their mid-20s or late 20s and think they still have it they don't they you know i mean can he go in there uh, and destroy rickles yeah of course he can right but what does it really mean you know there's not going to be a resurgence i don't think there's going to be a resurgence anytime soon uh for melvin gillard um, I, I mean, I, I actually think Rickles is going to win. So, I mean, that it is what it is. But at the same time, it's just, you know, the guy's won. He's four of his last five that he's lost. Um, one of them, or five of his last six, one was a no contest. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, if he's if he's been around for such a long time, if he, if, if we were talking about Melvin Gillard four or five years ago, yeah. He's going to destroy pretty much anyone that he wants to if he puts his mind to it and doesn't get distracted by anything else because he's just he's just such a – I mean, when, when he was younger, there was there used to be a thing called Bad Breed DVD. I actually have it somewhere under my desk. I, actually, I remember that. Second. Hang in there. Hang in there. I'm going to Melvin Gillard has a lot it. of undocumented fights as well that are not on that fight record. 
Like he has a lot of fights that uh, mixedmartialarts.com is not going to add, and suredog.com is not going to have documentation or proof that ever existed, which you know adds to that 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 mileage. Where's this bad breed DVD? Where is it? Say something so the people can see it. So if you look at this right now, this is what's called bad breed DVD. This was. I got this in 2003. I subscribed to it. It was a DVD magazine. And in this DVD set, there was uh, up-and-coming fighters. And at the time, uh, there was a certain Melvin, the young assassin, Gallard, uh, you know, fighting uh, in, in these belts that were actually in a ring, not in a cage. And these Muay Thai kicks, I think it was when he was fighting for freestyle fighting championships. And some of the actual, no, maybe it was before that. It was before that. Um, no, no, I think it was freestyle. Anyways, he was throwing these leg kicks that I had never seen in mixed martial arts before. And I, and I went over to my instructor, um, Justin Bruckman at the time and, and guys that I was training with, uh, Antonio Carvalho, uh, someone you may know from his, his sure. experience in the Ultimate fighting championship. And we were watching this guy and we're like, Whoa, who's going to fight that guy? I mean, this is a lot. Like, I mean, I don't know if you can see it on the screen here at the very bottom. It's 2003, man. 2003, wow. we were looking at this guy. Okay? And, and it's one of those things where it's 2016, Sean. Yeah. 2016. There's a lot of kilometers on Melvin Gillard's body. It is – I mean, I'm not saying it's over. He's getting his paychecks right now. But there comes a time when it's like, okay, dude, like your body I mean, the Undertaker, the Undertaker has wrestled since 1984. What are you talking about? He's still going strong. Point taken. You are absolutely correct. <laughs> Everything I said about Melvin Gillard was 100% wrong. See, you come on here with all your experience and your, and your broadcasting background, and I just shut you down repeatedly, repeatedly, just like I would shut you down at DraftBeast.com if we went head-to-head, my friend. DraftBeast.com will be the leader in fantasy sports. You all need to get on that bandwagon while you can. You spend more, you win more. DraftBeast.com has a lot of awesome stuff. Joe, I know that's what you're doing right now. I know you're anxious to get off of here so I can talk about wrestling. I can talk about this backstage fight between one Simon Gotch and one Sing Cara. And you can go play DraftBeast.com. Joe, thank you so much. I'll see you next week. Thank you, brother, and I appreciate uh, DraftBeast.com. And I'm actually going to go to on it and, and see if I can pick some stuff up, this Alpha Brain stuff. Is it Alpha Brain you called it? Alpha Brain, it's fantastic. It's my favorite supplement in the world. All right, I've heard a lot about it. I'm going to check it out right now. I'm going to have to pick some up here. But thank you very much, uh, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in. Uh, give some love to Sean Ross Sapp and myself on Twitter. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. And Sean, by the way, the uh, the whiteboard now it's no longer a blackboard. I, I, I'm just I'm letting it go. I'm 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 not taking shots I'm, at you online I'm anymore. I don't know what to I'm say working anymore. on it. Okay, I'm working on it. I'll adjust here. I'm working on it. It's it's in progress. Get out of here, Joe. I got to talk about the real stuff. Thanks, brother. Ciao. See ya. So as I mentioned, you guys, Sin Cara and Simon Gotch, of all people, got into a fight at catering uh, last night at SmackDown. So here's what I know so far. Sin Cara kicked Simon Gotch's ass. That's what I know. Don't know who started it. Uh, was just told that Sinkara beat up Simon Gotch. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a surprise. Simon Gotch got his job with WWE, 
and got you know Aiden English basically a job because he was uh, Simon Gutch was such a great catch as catch can wrestler that he portrayed this manly man gimmick so well that uh, like you know it, he was so convincing that it, that it paid off. Sin Cara though, Hunico ain't nobody to mess with. Uh, this is a guy who had a direct line to Haku for years because he tagged with Haku's son, Camacho, who is now uh, Tongaloa in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Also, uh, beat the living shit out of Sheamus. I, or no, that was Yoshitatsu that beat the shit out of Sheamus. My bad. But uh, yeah, uh, they had a fight. I'm, I'm trying to get more information. My sources on this are being really quiet, but I was told that uh, Sinkara pretty much handled Simon Gotch. Man, I was a little surprised, I, I have to admit. Um, also, there were some rumors yesterday that the uh, the draft list for NXT, that there were going to be some other names uh, that were debated about, like maybe – Jordan was going to come up and not Gable. From what the person that I talked to said, that absolutely was not the case. The list was set very early on Monday, and that's the list they went with. Carmella, Alexa Bliss, all those people, they were meant to come up. Uh, guys, I know that I didn't get a lot of time. We try to keep these to about an hour. Uh, somebody asks, when's the next show with Vince? Uh, noon Eastern tomorrow is what we're targeting. Um, say, uh, you know, unless Vince has some blinds to put up. Um Somebody says, just because you're big doesn't mean shit. Yeah, that's that's often the case. They do have weight classes in MMA for a reason, but yeah, I mean, anything can happen. Um, but Friday, I will be bringing you, sometime in the afternoon, a podcast that talk Cruiserweight Classic, NXT. I'm going to try to catch Ultima Lucha, uh, heavy wrestling stuff. Of course, I do talk MMA on these as well. But uh, yeah, we try to keep these at about an hour, easily digestible. I know some of you want me to do shows every day. My boss wants me to do shows every day. So maybe I'll be doing shows every day. I don't know. Uh, one thing I did want to talk about, the shakeup in the announce team. Jerry Lawler is out, and at 66 years old, and with his, his problems, he probably should have been. He will be doing the pre-show with Booker T. It's crazy to think that finally... At 66, Jerry Lawler is deemed too old. But I think Bobby the Brain Heenan was 56 when they bought WCW, and he was deemed too old. Now, within a few years, Heenan's health had greatly declined, and maybe at that point he knew, and he clued them in, like, hey, this is what's up. But, um, yeah, it's like, you know, it was his time. Corey Graves on uh, Raw with... Byron Saxton and Michael Cole, great move. Great move. I'll, I'll take three hours of, of Graves over two hours of Graves any day. Now, granted, I would love to hear him with, with uh, Mauro Ronaldo, but I have a feeling they wanted to put somebody with main roster experience with Ronaldo and with uh, Graves, which is why they did that. JBL on SmackDown with David Otunga and Mauro Ronaldo. I like that for several reasons. When people work with Mauro Ronaldo, they up their game. No, that's no no uh, disrespect to Michael Cole because I think he's been much better of late. But when people get in there with uh, Mauro Ronaldo, they uh, they just up their game, and I think JBL can do that. Also, I don't want JBL anywhere near cruiserweight matches. Somebody says, Sean, do you do MMA? Uh, I used to train MMA heavily, and I had some bad neck injuries that prevented that. I do a pro wrestling on occasion. 
Same person says, next time you get in a real fight, put them in the cross face. Uh, cross face isn't real. It, it depends. If you're talking about a, an amateur wrestling cross face, it's absolutely effective. If you're talking like the crippler cross face, it's not really effective uh, unless you uh, put it like almost in an omoplata like Daniel Bryan does. Um, but, guys, I might have a video feature coming soon. Uh, going to approach my boss about it, but if I get good feedback on it, I come from a catch wrestling team, and you know they trained with the likes of Billy Robinson. If you don't know who that is, look him up. Great AWA legend. They trained with uh, Josh Barnett recently. Uh, what I'd like to do is have them do uh, a pro wrestling for MMA segment for Fightful.com since we're a crossover and show you effective pro wrestling techniques and how they can work in real grappling and MMA. I've got a couple of guys, Jay Grooms and Brandon McLeese, who are just incredible at that stuff. Uh, Jay Grooms is my tag team partner on the indie shows that I do. Also uh, worked a couple matches against me. Uh, they they know their stuff really well, so I'm hoping I can bring it to Fightful.com, something that other people aren't doing, and you know maybe uh, teach you all some stuff and get uh, my my coaches' names out there too. Uh, Friday, as I mentioned, I will be doing uh, a show where you all can talk to me about uh, Lucha Underground, NXT, um, Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, you all can ask me anything about the site, anything you all want, anything about writing. I don't really care. It's going to be kind of like like a free day at school, you know what I mean? When you show up there on that half day and you're like, I'm not doing shit on this half day. Let's have fun. Somebody says Russo didn't even inhale uh, when he smoked weed. He probably didn't. Uh, he lives in Colorado, though, so it's all legal. It's not legal here, so I would never do anything illegal. Guys, I will be back tomorrow with Vince Russo, noon on Thursday. That time will kind of fluctuate as Thursdays are sort of my evening off, so I try to get that done a little bit early. But I will be back Friday afternoon as well, solo, unless like Rob or Jeff or uh, you know one of my podcasting buddies wants to hop on. I will not uh, prevent that from happening. Please, guys, visit Fightful.com. Uh, every time you share a story on Facebook or Twitter, every time you tell people, hey, visit, out, visit this site, every time you post a link on Reddit to one of our stories, it really helps us. Uh, you know, our boss put a lot into this website and, you know, trying to get him his returns as best as possible. We haven't started marketing it yet. But, yeah, please share this site. Anything you want to see added to the site, if you want to see more opinion articles, if you want to see wrestlers write for the site, message that wrestler. Tweet that wrestler and say, hey, you should do a podcast on Fightful. You should write for Fightful. We're open to bringing people like that in. Fightful.com. Check it out. DraftBeast.com. Check that out. Also, go to that on it link on our podcast page. Thank you guys so much. Until next time, I'm out.